Good evening and welcome to episode 399 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandoma Kumalo. Just one episode away from 400 and we know that we couldn't have done it without you at home. Well, if you join us for the first time, you've missed out on some incredible shows. Uh, do make sure that you go to our Facebook, YouTube uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts to get, to certainly catch up on all the awesome episodes that you have missed out on. And all our regular viewers on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube, welcome to it. You know how we do. Every single weekday, you and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. We're always in conversation with a property expert who helps us make better property decisions. Doesn't matter where you are on your property journey, whether you're looking to buy, to sell, to build, you're renting, you're looking, you're a landlord, we're certainly here to help you along in your property needs. And talking about helping you along in your property needs, whether you're of course in the market or just looking to you know, get a good sense of what some of the properties are out there, you can tune into the Home Shoppers Show that comes to your screens every single Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m., where Chad takes you through exquisite properties that you can find on www.pravo.com property.co.za and on Tuesdays and Thursdays Mbali Nogo brings you the farming podcast tackling all things agriculture I'm already using some of the tips that you know she's had on some of the shows for your home garden uh, and you know also doing my own gardening at home uh, you know spinach is coming along nicely my onions I've given up on onions garlic is coming on nicely the basil is coming on quite nicely uh, the beads are also so coming on nicely and I saw a cabbage uh, that's like slowly coming up. So I'm quite excited to see uh, and of course monitor those developments in the coming weeks. And to get some of those tips and insights and to also get you started on your farming journey or simply your gardening journey, make sure that you tune into the farming podcast. And on Wednesdays, Esther Klassen brings you the first time home buyer show. She's always in conversation with people who've walked that first time home buying journey and have gone on to grow their property portfolios from strength to strength. Well, those are great shows every single weekday at 8 p.m. that you can look forward to right here across private property's social media pages. Do make sure that you follow us across uh, the various social media pages where we're on. We're on, you know, the Facebook, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well as on TikTok. You can follow myself at Zamadoma underscore K on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Well, to kickstart our Monday edition of the Private Property Podcast. I hope you stayed safe this weekend. Uh, we are seeing the rise in the COVID numbers, especially in Joburg. And, and I think the one big thing is that, you know, some people are trying to rebrand it as a, as a new flu or a weird flu. Just make sure that you're staying safe. Uh, I think rather err on the side of caution as much as possible. As much as many of us are vaccinated, we also want to make sure that uh, we don't catch it, right? I think that's the thing that we want to make sure we do not do. And that's exactly why we're always here to keep you company along on your journey. And when it comes to keeping your company this evening, we're going to be looking at how landlords can attract occupiers in a post-pandemic world. I mean, I don't even know if we can even talk about a post-pandemic world uh, at this stage. I think what we can talk about is how we are creating hybrid work environments um, and of course want to make sure that we are catering to that. And to help us better understand and unpack this topic, I'm joined by Maggie Weber, who's the Head of Digital Design at Tetris South Africa. Maggie, good evening and Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Summer. Thanks for having me. 
It's such a pleasure to have you with us on the show, Maggie. I think before we even look at how landlords can do this, because it, I, I know people at home are thinking, oh gosh, how are we talking post-pandemic when we are literally walking into a fourth wave? We're in a fourth wave right now, especially if we're in Gauteng. As much as the alert level hasn't changed, we know very well that we are well in a fourth wave. And, and a lot of us are already anxious because we already know that come Christmas and New Year's Eve, we're probably going to be on a you know stricter level uh, you know, living in stricter levels in Gauteng and probably going to end up having another indoor New Year's Eve, which I know nobody wants. But before we even, you know, explore that, I think first, perhaps share with, you know, the viewers at home around some of the some of the trends that you've certainly picked up in this COVID era um, and how they've been, you know, fundamentally different um, from the pre-COVID era that we were, that I know many of us absolutely missed. So I think um, two things really come to mind um, when when speaking about obviously within the pandemic and then looking forward to trends as we as we're lifted from the pandemic in in some ways and um, I think the first one is sustainability where that's become hugely important it always was important but in terms of bringing people. Um, back to the office and um, designing in a way that's comfortable uh, for everyone. So sustainability is not just about hanging a plant for well-being in the office. It's it's really about creating a space which is inclusive and which allows you to do your tasks well. So um, and then obviously with a major impact on the planet and well-being. So that's that's pretty huge. In terms of what we've seen um, and then the other thing would be the return to the office and the desire to be in the office where the office spaces are home away from home in a way that um, in a way that they maybe have never needed to be where they've become actually a sanctuary and um, a space where you can really work effectively and then go home and actually have that distinct switch off time so in terms of trends um i would say that those are the the main ones the the sustainability kind of overarching from within the pandemic now coming out of it and then the um the return to the office being the one that we're seeing more prevalently and hoping to see much more even 2022 and you know maggie when we talk about the return to the office um, I know one of the key things that is that we're going to have to be mindful now more than in sort of a pre-COVID era is design of the office, how an office is actually designed. Um, and I think beyond you know COVID, we already know that a lot of you know scientists have said that we're going to uh, live through another pandemic. And so, if anything, COVID in many ways is kind of uh, a dress rehearsal for what may potentially come. So when we look at the importance of design, uh, especially, of course, in, in the office context and, and, and knowing that not every kind of business would land itself to remote working. And others, as you say, there are people who are hurtful of working from home and want the flexibility of having a hybrid type model. You know, how does design then come into place when we're looking at designing for a world where we're now very mindful of sitting too close to colleagues. I mean, we, we, we've just come out of the era of open plans and even having cubicles. We 
absolutely hated that. And now we kind of have to rethink because we can't be sitting you know, that close to our colleagues at work. So how, how does design then come in in you know, sort of helping us transition um, back into the office, given our new, our new fears more than anything? I hear you. And I think, yeah, I mean, in this, it seems counterintuitive because we distancing ourselves but actually it's all about people and so for us I think to make the transition smoother as well as being safe that's absolutely fundamental to the design and the expertise that we bring along to the space not only to make it comfortable and and look a certain way but also to make it a safe space to be and so for us it's about engaging with and having the know-how to give our clients what they need to live, to work, to play effectively. Um, it, it allows us to adopt a holistic approach uh, by really listening to our clients and then creating an uh, environment which provides this. So I suppose for us, transitioning by looking into workplace strategy, which is a massive part of what we do, um, alongside sustainability requirements and then regulations, we have the opportunity to design spaces which promote a safe working environment as well as one that's inviting. Like I said before, it's, it's transitioning to a space you actually want to, you, you want to be in, you feel safe in, and it's kind of bringing you back together regardless of hybrid and whether you're working in rotation to keep yourselves um, at a like comfortable capacity of people. But um, design is definitely the vehicle to get you back into the office in a safe way. Mm. And I, I can see some of the love that we're getting on our Facebook page. Farana Siddiqui watching, Happiness Maleva watching, uh, Fatima Sadien also watching, and taking your questions and comments this evening as we're looking at how landlords can attract occupiers uh, in a post-pandemic world. And of course, we are looking specifically at the office, uh, in, you know, context and looking really at what uh, you know commercial landlords or office landlords what they can do to better attract uh, tenants for their respective units. I think we, we, we sometimes under, uh, we probably underestimate how much work it requires to get a commercial tenant, even if you've, for instance, got a, a relatively small uh, office and have, you know, a few units, you have to be able to offer different kinds of packages. And I think now more than ever, you actually have to be, you know, be able to adapt to the needs of the respective businesses that are going to be in your office park. And stay Taking some of those uh, comments and questions, uh, I see Martha Shimane saying here, I employers willing or can afford to redesign their office spaces? And I think that's such a, an important one. I mean, people are already so uh, financially strained. You know, is there, is there fin- are there financial means for them to be able to redesign uh, to some degree uh, their offices in such a way that it doesn't, um, you know, obviously create an unsafe working environment given the you know COVID context that we now have to work under? Uh, so I'll answer the question, the question first. Um, absolutely, and that's where I would say that design is so multifaceted and it's really not about the curtains and the scatter cushions. It's really delving into the to the requirements as I speak, as I was speaking about, and um, for us, it's the full engagement of workplace strategy. So that would be working with um, 
your current assets, your current um, headcount with our um, space planners and workplace strategists who specialize their expertises in, um, in doing exactly that and, and making this new way of working possible. It doesn't matter whether you're in a small office or a bigger office. And it's about, you know, education of different ways of working. So if you've got a financial constraint, then maybe looking to a rotation-based model where I would sit at a desk uh, uh, some days of the week, then you would sit on that desk on the other days of, week, of the week so that we both have the opportunity to be in the office um, mm. at certain points, but then it, you're not having to buy two desks for one person um, or you can reconfigure in a safe way so that you, you're spaced apart enough but you don't have the, the same amount of people within the office. So that's a lot of what we deal with um, as much as we do with what looks beautiful and and this and um, all the acoustics and everything else that goes into fit out, definitely the user experience is the most important thing and how you're going to function. Mm. And that's such a crucial one that because now you're no longer looking at perhaps if you have a staff complement of 50, ensuring that all 50 have to have a desk and you're catering to uh, having them all at work at the same time. Because we, I mean, the, the fact that we'd all come in at work around about 8.39 and leave relatively the same time um, and don't have a staggered approach to how we, you know, how we get to the office and not just for purposes of, you know, the office environment itself, but even for the purposes of traffic. I think the fact that we're not doing this at scale as a country is partly why some people end up getting stuck in traffic for such an extended period of time. And we're now back to getting stuck in traffic, unfortunately, with so many people being back at home. Well, one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to go for a quick break, see who the lucky winner of the competition that we are running is. Of course, that's the competition where we want to find out from you some of the expensive advice that you have learned while watching the show. We need 400 episodes in. So there's quite a lot of advice that I'm sure you've already picked up on. Do share with us what that advice has been. And uh, you certainly do stand a chance of walking away with 500 rands in cash every single evening. Uh, my colleague, I think I I'm waiting for him to let me know how much we've got in the money bag. I know we had a rollover on Friday, so I'm not sure whether we've got a thousand rands or a thousand five hundred rands in the money bag. And of course, that is the amount that the lucky winner is going to walk away with. Well, let's have a look at who this evening's lucky winner is. And that lucky winner this evening is congratulations to you you walk away i've been told we're actually back at 500 rands so the winner on friday did in fact claim uh, the prize so 500 rands is yours this evening 
Africa. And all you have to do to get that uh, money is, of course, drop us a message down here below. I did see a post from Moni Her checking in earlier. I hope she's still watching us live. And if she is, uh, do drop us a message. And of course, you will walk away with that cash price. Continuing with our conversation this evening with Maggie Webster, who's the head of digital design at Tetris South Africa, looking at how landlords can attract occupiers in a post-pandemic world. Uh, taking your questions and comments, and we've got a great one here coming through from uh, Prince Jones, Masabugo, asking, "What can I do to attract clients to small holding, um, to small holding with office space and storage space of factory space? A lot of people want to be visible next to highways and busy complexes." Uh, and, I, and I think this is a this is such a great question because the reality of office space, Maggie, is it, it's in different kinds of environments. So it isn't just one environment uh, that is, you know, essentially close to the freeway. But of course, there are office parks that we've seen that are, you know, slightly more suburban, slightly more inland. So they're not as, you know, close to the major freeways or some of the major roads. So how do you attract uh, clientele in those kinds of you know, office environments or certainly those industrial parks where there's also an industrial park? And I see there's also a storage facility um, in that particular so um, my colleagues at JLL actually have a better expertise in, in, in that part of, um, you know, the, the brokerage deals and, and that part of this game. So I suppose what I can answer in terms of design would be that the um, amenities or the surrounding the surrounding um, environment. So I suppose on a small holding, maybe it's slightly more remote. And that could be a pro if, if that means that the, you know, you're not in the hustle and bustle. So maybe you're not getting the advertising um, or the, the, you know, as people drive by, they're not seeing you. But in terms of people who want to work in a space that's not so built up, I suppose there could be pros and cons to both. Then it would be about the tenant's experience um, as they work would be my answer to how you would get people to um, engage with that space. Mm. And, and I think one of the things that we'll definitely do, Maggie, is, you know, invite one of your colleagues at JLL. Uh, I mean, a really great firm, international, and they really are the best people to be able to answer those kinds of questions when it comes to increasing visibility. They, to, to, to the point that you were making earlier, importance then of also um, pointing out different amenities because you also understand that from a budget perspective not everybody can afford uh, some of the offices that are closer to you know the freeways and so what are you offering at that particular price point and given uh, of course you know the various amenities that you can certainly have in your respective office park and and I think when we then you, you look at at this particular one, um, you know, Maggie, how, what are some of sort of the best practices or how can um, landlords, office landlords, um, use inclusive design to expand, you know, their business value? Because I think this speaks to what is the business value? How can you incorporate then design uh, to, you know, almost uh, add to what your value proposition is um, as a landlord? So... Um, there's, there's two ways to answer this. So obviously from a, a landlord perspective and then from a tenant perspective. So as a landlord, um, 
the the amenities and the what you would offer as part of your building is quite important. So whether you have amenities within the building or if you have restaurants and gyms um, in surrounding areas, that becomes really important. You know, initiatives where you, you're close to public transport. Um, or, so it gives people the ability to live, work and play in one location. So it shows a more, it gives you more flexibility as, as the end user. In terms of an occupier, um, inclusive design speaks directly to talent, talent retention. So attracting a diverse workforce, gain engagement for staff who in turn would provide then broader insight into the clients of our clients and um, improve their businesses. So I suppose that really speaks to driving productivity by designing inclusively. It's hugely as important as we begin, um, particularly to understand neurodiversity more and more and designing spaces. So whether you're hypersensitive or hyposensitive, there's a space for you to work effectively. Um, so that's how we, we tackle design as an inclusive way to, it's extremely important for the business's productivity. Mm. You know, Maggie, we reflected a bit about some of the trends in, in, in the year that was nearly two years in the past 18 months. I think, are there any design um, elements or certainly design trends that we should be aware of um, in the built environment going into the new year? Um, so I know I've spoken about um, uh, sustainability and um, I thought it was just important to share um, that, you know, you've, you've touched on what draws people, what draws investors, what draws tenants and um, part of the research that we've done um, it, um, shows that up to 73% of investors say that green strategies lead to higher occupancy, higher rents, higher tenant retention, and overall higher value. So although I've touched on it, for us, absolutely, it's definitely the biggest trend that's going forward, um, and it's multifaceted in terms of uh, sustainability of how you build, how you design, the choices you make, the community initiatives, circular economy in the um, local artisans that we use, the local providers. Um, so trends to, for us, it's a trend to local is Laka, Ubuntu, um, community um, and connection above all. So how do we become more human in a distant world? I am this evening, this evening in conversation with Maggie Weber, who is the head of digital design at Tetris South Africa, and looking at how landlords can attract occupiers um, in, in a post-pandemic world. And we're taking your questions and comments this evening. Uh, Menzi Butelezi uh, saying, I think some of the commercial property tenants should have a booking system for people that want to come into the office limited to the seats available, but limited to COVID compliance, the landlords can enable this system. Uh, and, and I think, you know, this is this is probably then the moment when I hear, when I read a comment like this, we're already just thinking of the reworks of, of this world. Uh, and, and I think that that service is already there for the most part. Uh, and it's it's got its own, I think, ups and downs. Any comment on that particular one, Maggie? So um, we have moved from 
you know, typically only being able to book out meeting rooms. Um, definitely to book uh, to desk booking systems. So if you're looking at a much larger client who, uh, who are on multiple floors, it's extremely important to have a desk booking system so you can see, okay, there's availability for me to work in these certain areas and you don't have to walk around the building a hundred times and go into different zones and touch things where you don't necessarily have to. So desk booking is a real thing, uh, both within co-working environments as well as established um, clients who are taking up um, buildings with multiple floors. Mm. And I think that's the, if anything, that, that isn't an option available for you know, people in some of these suburban areas where we already see that we work at the Workshop 27s, you reach us, uh, and the likes, uh, you know, very big players who are already doing that. Perhaps in areas where we don't see uh, those kinds of services, I think there's certainly uh, an untapped uh, opportunity there. I haven't seen those kinds of opportunities, for instance, in townships. And the reality is people want to uh, be able to access those office amenities in those, you know, Spaces. And if you look at a township as big as Soweto, you would want to be able to, to have an office type setup not, and not have to go all the way to Santon or Rosebank in order to be able to access them. And um, Prince Masbuga are saying, you know, office sharing, is there any design trends one should follow or consider to attract small SMMEs? Uh, I mean, any, any, and I know that this isn't quite your area of expertise, but certainly from a design perspective, what are some of the pressure points from, you know, SMMEs? where if you had to you know, tweak certain design components when you have an office space, they'd certainly be attracted to your particular property. So that's a, that's a great question. And I think flexibility here is key. So to move away from what we see as a works, workspace, just being a desk, maybe it's a work cafe, maybe it's a local barista who then has a corner of his coffee shop, which is for, for working. So maybe it's a quiet area in a coffee shop. Maybe it's a standing, a standing environment where you don't have a chair. Um, perhaps you're sitting with two people in a meeting room um, as opposed to being desk-based for the whole day. And that's how you do your work day. So I think it's about challenging ourselves uh, to be flexible in sitting maybe we're not sitting maybe we're standing maybe we're as i said at a coffee shop so um to kind of forgo the traditional um working desk rather for a, a space where you can do um, your task effectively Mm. And Maggie, final question from my side. I mean, if you're looking to buy or perhaps you're an investor, um, you're looking for, you know, off to add office as part of your property portfolio, what are some of the key things that you should be aware of and certainly look out for? So I suppose if you are looking to invest in a property and you for a space which would get tenants, um, the you would be looking for... Also, a building which has potential for multifunctional um, spaces. So there's definitely a trend towards, um, even if there are various tenants in a building, to have a common, um, a common space that can be shared. So you don't have four canteens and four um, waiting areas for clients where you share maybe a main reception and a work cafe. Um, 
So I think the potential for that and also, again, to look at spaces in a different way. So maybe it's a space where you could, there's a residential aspect, a retail aspect, as well as a corporate, um, as a corporate office um, offering. So kind of having those multifunctions in one building or the potential to have that would definitely attract people. Maggie, we are going to leave it there this evening. It's been such an insightful conversation. I think really good perspective for those who are looking to go into office. We do a lot of conversations around Resi um, and a bit on commercial, but certainly from an office perspective, we need to start thinking about that, especially for the investors who may want to um, add this to their property portfolio. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for the opportunity. I've loved speaking to you, Zama. It's been such a pleasure. And that is Maggie Weber, who is the head of digital design at Tetris South Africa, uh, wrapping up the Monday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. And unfortunately, we're going to have a rollover uh, to tomorrow evening. Unoni Buta was not watching us. And I know that she was watching earlier because she actually dropped a message to say hello, but she didn't watch uh, when her name came up and of course when we needed her to claim that prize and this is why you need to watch throughout the whole show because if we call your name then you need to still text us while the show is on well from myself as Amandunga Kumara and the rest of the team it has been a pleasure to be with you this evening tomorrow we're celebrating episode 400 we're going to have a great episode uh, and certainly also just reflect a little bit but we already we planned something special later on I'm, I'm not going to give away too much uh, so tomorrow's show is going to be relatively normal but of course you know 400 is a bit of a milestone there aren't that many podcasts in the country that get to that figure so thank you very much at home for ensuring that we've gotten there and of course we're going to uh, get to higher and higher heights as we move along well that's it from us uh, of course do stay tuned for the home shoppers show with Chad at 8pm until then stay hoping you're staying home and staying safe